0: Hey, this is Brian. And before we start, I wanna let you know about a free event on January 28th. It's called Opportunities in Green Burial and it's a chance to spend an hour with Elizabeth Fournier who is a TEDx presenter and the author of the Green Burial Guidebook. You can register for free at com. You'll have a chance to ask questions. It's gonna be fun, educational, and I hope to see you there.
1: In the middle ages in Germany, When a couple got married, one of the rituals they would do is they would plant two oak trees. The idea is those oak trees would then grow up and create the mast, the acorns and stuff, that would feed pigs and feed stuff and provide actual food to help take care of their family. So this issue of using agroforestry as a way to provide for the future and to be positive in that is a powerful drive for us to extend green burial natural burial which basically just means no embalming, no concrete vault, no coffin, etc. to actually extend it to making positive steps toward creating the fertility of the forest and the productivity of the forest.
0: My name is Brian Hayden, and this is Redesigning the End, a show about the choices we make at the end of our lives. I want to spend a few minutes today filling you in on what happens to our bodies when we die. In America today, cremation is ascendant. of the people who die get cremated, and almost everybody else gets embalmed with chemicals and buried in a coffin inside of a concrete vault. Green Burial, which is the least expensive and the best for the environment, is growing, but it's just a tiny fraction of the overall market, and I wanted to know why. So let's spend the next 10 minutes or so really getting into it. This episode is not meant as a critique of funeral directors or the decisions that anybody's family has made when they're grieving, not looking to make anybody feel bad for anything they've done, but I do want to challenge the idea that we should all just be doing what the local funeral director tells us to do or what our family's always done. And to help me do that is my friend, Walt Patrick.
1: I'm Walt Patrick. I'm the the president of Herland Forest Natural Burial Cemetery. I'm also the first licensed natural organic reduction operator in the country. So I've been with this organization since 1973. We started back in, I think, 07 on this project. We got our conditional use permit from the county in 2010. We got our licenses from the state in 2014. So we've been burying bodies since about 2015. And so it's been a a process, an arc of putting all this thing through to the point where we can now be buried on our land and we can welcome others who want to be buried in a forest as opposed to a commercial facility. Funerals are always about the living. And in the case of green burial, it gives expression to the desire of an individual for their passing to be a benevolent act from the standpoint of the welfare of the earth. Uh, conventional burial from my perspective is about signaling an end to life. Whereas green burial is about affirming the passage of life from phase to phase, that life goes on. Paying
0: less and the idea of convening with nature and doing something that's natural, I think appeals to a lot of people. But where people might start to chicken out is the uncertainty they have about their relationship with the body and the flow of the experience for everybody who's still
1: alive, it's different. We have a a campground adjacent to the cemetery that people can come and stay in. We have funerals that last for days. As people come, they do the interment and then spend time in the transition. It it fills the emotional niche that a wake used to fill. Now, in in the old days, they didn't really have clarity on when somebody was really dead. And so they would keep them in the parlor for a few days until it was unequivocally clear that that person was indeed dead. Matter of fact, in the 1800s, there was just this desperate fear of being buried alive. But today, that's not an issue. But still, the emotional need to affect that transition between being concerned or engaged with someone who's a very living presence in your life to accepting that transition. In old mythology, there was you know a dying soul was ferried across the river to the afterlife. And we used to have that kind of a time frame to allow people to go through that emotional journey. They may not have used those mythical concepts about it, but the human need to have time to make that transition is huge. And it doesn't go away. And to say, okay, you have the cemetery between two o'clock and four o'clock, we have another funeral at five, so you'll need to, I mean, that, that to us is just just unnatural and doesn't give death its dignity and its passage, its time. And so that's what uh, green burial, natural burial mean to us, is going back to a very fundamental, basic recognition of the need for the people who are grieving the loss of their loved one. We have people who are coming out and enjoying gardening and growing flowers on their grave and so on. I can send you pictures of people collecting flowers from their own grave and giving them to their friends out of expressions of love and and, and affection. Uh, And just uh, that participatory nature here of how we do things. Uh, A lot of cemeteries, the reason they use those concrete vaults is to keep the soil from settling in and thereby causing problems when they try and drive the riding lawnmowers over there to maintain this pristine look of the cemetery, you can't have the sinking of the graves, so they put the concrete vaults in there. Our grounds crew are four-legged; they're not four-wheel drive. They're they are sheep and goats and and animals, and and you know, so the having the natural environment there works. So we don't need that other stuff anyway. So people will come up and pick their spot, and we go ahead and get it prepared, and then whenever The time comes, everything is ready. And that's one burden that they know is lifted from their loved ones. Walt introduced me to a
0: term, locus of memory, which is basically a physical or emotional place where the memory of our loved one lives. And I think it's a really nice phrase that captures an important idea.
1: We have stones. We have actual permanent markers, that the same markers that a a, a surveyor would use. And uh, the families get GPS coordinates of the grave. So they know it precisely where it is. There's not an issue that they can go sit underneath their tree and, and uh, commune with the spirit of the person who's passed. So there, there's a locus of memory. And, and even if you don't go there, it's like, I guess, you know, you may have a, a place where you were a child and raised up and have uh, fond memories of and some not so fond memories. And it's not so necessarily that you go there all the time. But knowing that it's there, it's it's having that comfort of knowing where. In the modern uh, world with social media, etc., people talk about being ghosted. They have relationships with people and then suddenly they just don't hear from the person anymore. That person is like gone. Well, in a sense, not having a locus of memory is a little bit like that. That person, in so many ways, ceases to be a, a real presence. Where if you know that, yes, grandpa's ashes are or body is buried here in the forest, etc. that knowing I think is a deep comfort.
0: At this point, you're either thinking, no way, this is too weird for me. Or if you're like me, you're wondering, why isn't this happening more? What's the bottleneck?
1: The challenge is the psychology of it. If you've heard of the purchase funnel, which is where the first step is awareness, that there's an opportunity. Second is interest in it. You know, what does this do for me? That stimulates a desire after which you can then get an action. And that's the process by which this all goes through. And I'd say right now, I'd say the bottleneck is awareness. Almost every uh, person has a green burial cemetery within a few hours of where they, where they live. There are plenty of them. The Green Burial Council is an excellent resource on that. You can look at their lists and see where they have certified facilities. I mean, even in New York, for example, which is very, very dense, Well, upstate New York has got lots of forests. So there's not a problem, even in the more denser areas, to find a natural burial thing. Let's finish with logistics. Let's say I'm
0: in, and somebody I love wants the simplest green burial possible, and I want to do
1: everything myself. What's going to happen? You could run to Home Depot and get a tarp and put it underneath the body and then go to... uh, Fred Myers or the areas and get uh, dry ice and pack dry ice around the remains and keep the body like at 40 degrees or colder for days. I mean, legally, you have the right to keep the body there for three days without refrigeration. With refrigeration, you can go much longer and the dry ice keeps everything dry and so on. And then take your time and get a cotton sheet from Walmart and then wrap the body in that sheet some sisal twine and wrap up, uh, basically prepare the body in that way. And then when you're ready, then y'all could bring the body out to your car. Usually somebody would have a pickup truck or some kind of a, a vehicle with enough room in the back to to lay a body down and then drive the, the body out to the forest. And we would inter it in the grave. It, that's just as, as minimal and as simple as it can be. And it need not be more expensive than that. And if that freaked
0: you out, don't worry. There are people you can pay to help you.
1: There are a lot of excellent resources, such as a death doula, to help your family work through the process and be aware of it. If, if indeed hospice is involved, there are there's a number of support issues to allow time for things to come together and figure it out. A funeral director can handle the paperwork and, and oversee the, what's called the first call which is where the remains are removed from the house and put into a refrigerator where they're held because normally today people are dispersed in their families and most people want time for their loved ones to arrive from distant places to get together for the actual interment and so the body is often held in a refrigerated facility for a day a week you know a few weeks whatever to allow that gathering to happen and so that that's a part of it Every state is different on this stuff. In Washington State, the family has total control over the body. The the state wants to confirm that nothing improper happened behind the death. But beyond that, it's a matter of the family can keep the body in home. The, The person can pass in their own bed. The family can keep the body at home and clean it, prepare it, wrap it in a sheet and transport it to the cemetery. You don't have to deal with the commercial issue. I think if there's an epitaph for our age, it would be, but it was convenient. And you're quite right that people just like to outsource the stuff and have the professionals do that. My experience is that for many of the people who do take on those roles themselves, it's highly therapeutic. They're involved in this transition of their loved one. It's not the shock that is there emotionally that this person you love was there yesterday and they're not there today wow, that's a huge, deep chasm for the person to bridge. And to move your way comfortably and smoothly across that chasm to get to the other side is, I think, an important process that cannot be done with money. These things go in cycles in the sense that, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, the whole concept of alternative anything was exciting and attractive and people were exploring the boundaries etc and then it bounced and it swung the pendulum swung back the other way and now the pendulum is swinging back to taking more control and more people feel like they have no control over their life and they're looking hungrily for anything that can give them a sense of efficacy in a world that doesn't seem to care what they think
0: i care what you think And I want to thank Walt Patrick from Herland Forest for helping me understand Green Burial and sharing his work with us. I also want to thank Pat Couples, who provided original music. Additional music is from Hotels and Highways. If you're listening, it means you're still alive. So I hope you enjoy it.